Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Daniel Gallen and Dustin Hoffman-Smith. Hey, welcome into this edition of the Blue White Breakdown, presented by Penn State Health. I'm Dustin Hoffman-Smith. Daniel Gallen here with me as well. Penn State-Maryland week coming up. Penn State coming off a third straight loss at Ohio State, but most certainly the most encouraging loss of the three in that one. They battled hard. They looked like themselves again. Now they go into College Park on Saturday for a 3.30 p.m. kick against the Maryland Terrapins, who beat them last year 35-19. Not an especially pretty performance by this Penn State team, so I think maybe a little extra motivation uh, to to get the job done as they hit the road. Penn State a 10.5-point favorite in that game. So we'll touch on our thoughts on that game as well as a few uh, talking points from the week, Daniel, including, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts. I, I shared a few of my thoughts on a previous blue white breakdown um, this week, just the college football playoff rankings coming out. What really jumped out to you, whether that's, you know, number six, Cincinnati or number five, Ohio state being behind Oregon or Michigan state being in the top four, or from my vantage point, having Minnesota and Wisconsin in those top 25 rankings. Yeah, for me, I'm a little bit more interested in what's going on at the bottom because that's what the committee can use to kind of leverage the top and get it to kind of fall how they want to fall, how it how it needs to fall. Um, I was definitely surprised to see Wisconsin in there. That's a three-loss team. Obviously, they had the big win against Iowa, and they may or may not be hitting their stride, uh, depending on your your perspective on that. I wasn't really surprised to see Minnesota in there. I mean, the Bowling Green loss is really hard to overlook, but they're six and two. I mean, that other loss was to Ohio State in the opener, which they played tough. Um, that's probably something where over the course of the season, the voters have probably held uh, the Bowling Green loss against them a little bit. And that can be kind of a, a tough thing to come back from. But I mean, I think the things that stood out to me was the fact that you have Wisconsin in there. Um, And then you have Mississippi State in there at number 17. Those are the only two three-loss teams um, in the rankings, whereas Penn State is the only three-loss team in the AP poll and the coaches poll. I thought that was a pretty interesting bit of contrast, Um, just kind of in a a big picture. You have the two Mountain West teams, Fresno State and San Diego State down there, uh, where, you know, UTSA and and some of those other teams uh, are on UTSA UTSA is undefeated and and unranked. So I thought that was interesting where the Mountain West is kind of getting a little bit of credit from the committee, um, but some of those other conferences are not. But I think overall, it's kind of the bottom um, because you look at the teams that are at the top, they're going to play some of those teams that are that are at the bottom. And then the committee can kind of show like, oh, this was a top 25 win. 
you know, they had this many top 25 wins. Um, I think on Twitter, I made a joke where I referred to it as the Northwestern. Whenever Northwestern is pretty good, they always seem to be around that 25, 20 to 25 range. And they just so happen to play a lot of those teams that are, that are above them. So I think that down the stretch, that's kind of where Penn State will likely fall into. I think if they beat Maryland, we'll see them in that 20 to 25 range ahead of the game against Michigan, uh, who's up in that number seven spot. A couple weeks later, you have Michigan State, uh, who came in at number three. I mean, I was kind of eye rolly when Alabama was at number two. That was kind of like it wasn't as surprising as it as it kind of felt initially. But I think that Dave Jones has written a lot about this. That it's yeah. and talked a lot about this. Where it's just pointing towards it's going to be the same. Cincinnati um, isn't really going to get a fair shot. Obviously, the rationale doesn't really pass muster from Gary Barta with some of that stuff. So. We'll see what happens down the line. But that was kind of my my gut reaction was to kind of look at that that 20 to 25 range because that's what you play with uh, to get what you want at the top. And it's interesting. And I think probably every college football fan might find it healthiest to look at these as like an exercise in manipulation, an exercise in justification in, in the end. And the justification when it comes to the committee is an ongoing evolving thing. It's like one thing seems to matter one year, one thing seems to matter the next year. And it does, you know, the, the cluster of big 10 West teams at 20, 21 and 22, they just, to me, it's smacked of laziness, but I'm, 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 I can subscribe to your thinking that saying like, we got to get these West division teams in there. So the big 10 championship game doesn't look like a joke for Michigan state or Ohio state for one of these teams. And it's like, it's kind of stacking the deck and you can ask Cincinnati about stacking the deck. I'd love, I I, th- I say, I would love to hear Dave Jones um, talk to him in person about that, but that would be a four hour podcast just on Cincinnati and, and just the, the group of five and how they're viewed and slighted and disrespected. I've just thought for Gary Barta to say who has Cincinnati beaten, it just sounded so arrogant to me. Who's anybody beaten at this stage? For the most part, nobody's really got like nobody's got two legitimate top ten wins, top twenty wins. I mean, there are teams that that beat ranked teams that aren't ranked anymore, or whatever. So it's just Cincinnati for them to be at number six really says you can't control everything here. You need you need a lot of stuff to happen in order to to really be considered. Yeah, and when you look at kind of how the rankings shook out, they really seem to value the head-to-head thing um, where you look at kind of how the teams filter out. Um, you know, I think that having Oregon ahead of Ohio State uh, is an example of that. And I think Oklahoma State in front of Baylor is another one of those. So you, they they lean on the head-to-head stuff, but then you kind of overlook a little bit of the... I'm not super big into the transitive property when it comes to these wins, but... I think if you're going to factor in head to head, you kind of have to factor in common opponents where you look at Cincinnati, they beat Notre Dame, uh, who's at number 10. So they have a top 10 win. They beat Indiana, Michigan, like pretty convincingly when Indiana was still pretty functional, Michigan State uh, needed to squeak by um, Indiana. It was not close. It was, it was really close. I think that Cincinnati has a case, whether or not that case is going to be heard fairly. I, I think we already know the answer to that. And I think we already know kind of the, the ending to the story, but I think that kind of had the fact that you have Alabama up there um, with one loss where Alabama hasn't even really gotten into the, the meat of that schedule yet. I think that they're probably their best win is probably Ole Miss um, at number 16. 
you know, it's the thing where it, it's not going to make sense. Uh, no matter how you try to rationalize it, it's not going to make sense when the people who made it rationalize it. You just kind of know that, all right, this is where we're starting from. This is the lay of the land. And this is kind of the, the framework that we're going to work within uh, for the next uh, four weeks, five weeks. Um, yeah, but I definitely agree with you with kind of the seeing those Big Ten West teams down there. I think kind of like what I said, where you got to you got to play with the bottom to to get the top to work how you want. So I think that no matter who is who comes out of the West for that Big Ten championship game, there could be a situation where whoever comes out of the East, they get that one last top 25 win uh, in that bonus week championship week. And then that can that can propel them into that top four. I don't, I mean, it just, it just, if that's the case and if that is the motivation, which I I do, I I believe you on that one too. What's the point, you know, like we're we're not, are are we ranking teams or are we, are we just setting it up to make your lives a little easier in the end? What are we going for with these rankings? So yeah, I think these ones are even more of a a joke than I think previous ones are. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Let's shift gears. I I wanted to get into some Penn State-specific stuff, and since we heard from Curtis Jacobs this week. And since it is Penn state going South to Maryland and, and uh, him being a Maryland guy, I know that was a theme this week. Uh, he just makes sense to talk about and, and, you know, you can kind of let us know what he said, but Curtis Jacobs has been fantastic for easily, you know, what, three, four games for sure. You've seen him do some really splashy stuff. And from my viewpoint, you know, he's not Micah Parsons, but he is on a, you know, a similar tier when it comes to being special athletically. And I think taking his bumps and bruises and now really seeing right now just how good this kid can be. He's been really hard to ignore um, the past couple of weeks um, where you look at kind of how he's played um, in the past three games, 16 tackles, 10 solo, four tackles for loss, one sack, one interception. That's really productive. That's really good. Uh, he had the one sequence against Ohio State where he jumps off sides, which negates a Joey Porter Jr. pass breakup um, in the end zone. But then he comes right back, gets two tackles for loss, and Penn State survives that sequence um, when Travion Henderson has the the false start. So uh, I think Curtis Jacobs has really come on strong. He was someone that uh, last year, I think with Micah Parsons opting out, it bumped him up the depth chart, put him into action pretty early obviously uh depending on the service you look at he was a either five star or borderline five star recruit so there are high expectations and coming into this year he was a guy that needed to, needed to take a leap and i think over the past couple of weeks you've you've really seen that happen so he's been really fun to watch i think that this last stretch if he can keep up this level i think it sets him off really nicely going into the off season and and into next year which would be his junior year 
And and I, I do expect a continued rise to stardom between now and then. One of many guys, obviously Penn State recruiting in the Maryland, D.C., Northern Virginia area is nothing new. That's been a staple region for for all Penn State pro, you know teams going back a long time. But the presence on the roster right now, I mean, you've seen you know some of these were sort of head to head recruiting battles, Penn State and Maryland, but certainly Maryland in the mix. Tariq Castro-Field, Zachy Wheatley, uh, Arnold Ebicati is, is originally from from Maryland. Uh, Curtis Jacobs from from Maryland. There's a there's a large Maryland uh, influence on this roster as it as it usually is, and these guys are are going back home. And I think, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, Penn State wouldn't didn't want to call Indiana a revenge game. They're not going to want to call Maryland a revenge game either. But I, I still think, you know, this was a real low point last year. There were a bunch of low points last season. But I think getting the doors blown off you by Maryland early was kind of a sour spot that, that I think some of these guys, especially the Maryland guys, would love to reverse this weekend. Yeah, I think last season when, when they dropped that Maryland game, that was kind of the the sign that, Oh, things things are not okay. Um, obviously, the Indiana game was a fluke. Ohio State is Ohio State. They played them decently tough, even though Ohio State gapped them. Um, and then the bottom kind of fell out in that Maryland game, and that was kind of, I think, the realization that oh, got some big problems here. But yeah, I mean, I think you look at the the Maryland guys going back. No one kind of bit uh, on the cheese when it was put out there, either about potential rivalry between the two sides or revenge, or even really going home. Curtis Jacobs after the Ohio State game said that he was trying to find 30 tickets. Um, and I think he said last night that he got 10 and then everyone else is going to you know find their way in. But yeah, you look at the Penn State roster. I counted up 19 uh, guys from Maryland on there. And then you factor in someone like Christian Veyu, uh, who went to high school in Maryland, is originally from Canada. Uh, Will Knutson, the offensive lineman, backup offensive lineman, is from Virginia, went to school at McDonough with Curtis Jacobs, PJ Mustafer, uh, Devon Elise. So there's a there's a really big footprint there. Uh, Penn State obviously has had a lot of success in the in the neighbors to the south. Um, and I think that it it really shows when you kind of look through the the history at, at good players from Maryland. It go, you know, the the rivalry component. I mean, there's some regional, the, there's a lot of players on both rosters who know each other, so that kind of feeds into it. The the no handshake game from what was it 2014? Were you were you at, going to school at Maryland at that point in time? No, that was the the year after I graduated. Okay. So Got I was uh, partly in. I was at the College Park Chili's or no College Park Applebee's uh, watching that game. And uh, Randy Edsel's obviously infamous uh, comment: "Let the rivalry begin." Afterwards, uh, didn't really work out uh, so well for for Maryland. And you know what they say in life, it's all downhill after you leave the College Park Applebee's. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. all downhill after, and you've experienced it too. But yeah, the, you know, there, there's going to be some juice there. I remember just the, the last time uh, that Penn State went into College Park, incredibly, were, as an underdog in 2019, they went into College Park and, and crushed this team. And I know, you know, I think it was Mike Loxley who this week was saying, you know, we got to make sure that Penn State fans aren't taking over the stadium. And it, it 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 might happen. We'll see how much enthusiasm this Maryland crowd and the, and Maryland fans have to try to protect their their home field from from being overtaken. There's definitely going to be a lot of white uh, in the stands for sure. You know, it's tough for for Maryland to to fill that stadium normally. But I think that Maryland kind of getting that win over Indiana last week. I think that 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 kind of 
stop the three game losing streak. I think that that's kind of enough to buoy the uh, buoy some interest there, um, especially now that they're they're one win from from bowl eligibility for the first time since 2016. Um, and obviously that would mark kind of a, a big step forward for that program. But yeah, you mentioned the, uh, the 59 to nothing game two years ago, two years before that was 66 to three. Um, I got the nugget from Bob Flounders that, so it's been 125 to three Penn state's last two trips to college park. I went back through the, uh, through the media guide to look at kind of the, the matchups before that, obviously 2015, uh, was a 31-30 game, but that was in Baltimore. Um, I was there covering that for the Sun. That was a, a really fun game. But you go back before that, uh, 1993, I believe it was in College Park. Uh, the the Penn State media guide says it was an away game, not a neutral site game. I know that these two played a bunch of games at Memorial Stadium, uh, but that game was 70-7 to uh, in 93, which was the last meeting before 2014. So if you extrapolate out the last three visits to College Park for Penn State dating back to 1993, that's 195 to 10. Um, so it's a place that Penn State is not intimidated going into. I don't think any team uh, is really intimidated going into College Park. There's a level of comfort, I think, for a lot of these guys uh, in terms of there's going to be a lot of Penn State fans there. There's going to be a lot of friends and family. Everyone's kind of generally familiar. It's sometimes a competitive game, but but not much uh, recently. Well, what what are you expecting? The 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 line is it sits around 10, 10 and a half. And I know, you know, we filed our predictions to Penn Live on Thursday. You can check those out, penlive.com slash Penn State football. The the only question nobody that that on our staff or the guests that that picked with us are picking a Maryland win. It just kind of comes down to can Penn State cover that double digit spread? I'm of the belief that they can. You have um, Maryland covering a little bit more of a lower scoring game in this one. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I feel like every every Thursday morning we come on, and so it's been 24 hours since I filed and. I'm always like, well, I don't really know about that. Um, and I was listening to when I was doing some chores this morning, I was listening to Dave and Bob um, from, from Thursday morning's podcast. And they both have a little, they both have a lot higher scoring than me. I have 24, 17. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to see this Penn state offense really being able to pull away. Um, if they do, it'll be through the air. I think this could be a big game for Jahan Dotson or Keandre Lambert Smith, Parker Washington. I think that we'll, we'll see some big plays. Uh, from those guys. But I think that kind of really to to put up that many points, um, you need to have the running game going. Like you need to be able to do it in multiple ways if you're going to score that many points. Um, and Penn State hasn't shown that. Uh, the Maryland run defense is not good. So maybe this is when <laughs> Penn State gets going. I know Bob predicted a, a 100-yard rusher, but at the same time, we spent the last month saying, well, maybe this is the week that 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 running game gets going and what's, Oh, they played Iowa. They played Wisconsin. They, they played Ohio state. They played these pretty good fronts. Well, now they're playing a, a front seven that isn't as, as stout. So, but yeah, I mean, this Penn state team just hasn't really run away from anyone. It's been kind of that, that sort of suffocating way that you know, that's how they beat Indiana. You know, they won by 24 points, but it was kind of a, it wasn't an explosion. It was kind of a, a slow burn. Maryland has the types of players that can kind of keep up um, with a with a slow burn. You know, Rakim Jarrett can make big plays. Talia Tunga-Vailoa can do big things. Um, there's definitely the, some possibilities there. 
my belief too is that you know Maryland is capable of cre- of striking quickly and Penn State's defense uh, you know as much as anything else just trying to make them drive the length of the field and trying to make them put together drives that are 10 or 12 plays. Uh if you're able to do that I think you're going to be able to force some mistakes that I think could feed into that that scoring output. I think you're I think we're going to see a short field or two because they're not going to the, the secondary is not in the same place as it was last year when they when they played Maryland and got torched by uh, Jared a couple times for uh, for 42 yards and 62 yards. Same play. Uh, Tonga Bailoa is, is a threat when he when he is in rhythm, when he is seeing the field, he is a talented player who's capable of delivering. So my thought with Penn State's defense is dropbacks without allowing the big play. Now, I'm, I mean, certainly that's that's part of the game plan every week, but if, if Maryland's not going to score on a chunk play, they're not especially good in the red zone where Penn State's defense thrives. So as long as you're able to wrap up if a big play does happen and make that a 20-yard big play instead of a 60-yard big play, that will be enough. And I do think, um, I think a takeaway or two is going to kind of fuel when I was thinking about the score, I was like, why not just predict the same exact score as last year, except Penn State winning at this time? So I picked 35 to 19, uh, Penn State winning it, which would be a Penn State cover, and it would be over, I believe, the total, which I think is around 52. If Maryland plays clean, they've got they've got a shot to create some big plays. But when it comes to takeaways, which Penn State is better in that department, probably on both sides of the ball, red zone, especially defensively, uh, Penn State being better and just limiting big plays. You know, it, you execute on that stuff. I think Penn State wins and covers, and that's what I predicted as well. Yeah, I think the Penn State defense is going to be the best unit on the field. If you were to to rank the four, I think that Penn State is at the top. Maryland offense, Penn State offense at two and three. You can pick your order depending on Sean Clifford's health, I guess. And Maryland's pretty banged up at wide receiver. Um, And then the Maryland defense at number four. So I think that whenever you go into a game where one of the defenses is the best unit on the field, um, it can be kind of it can be hard to see a lot of points. At least that's that's kind of how how I approached it, where I don't necessarily think that Penn State is going to let Maryland score a lot of points, but at the same time. Penn State hasn't necessarily shown it can it can really roll up those points either. So um, that's kind of how how I looked at it. I'll probably look pretty dumb at about seven thirty on Saturday evening. That's one. It's one of those things. And the beauty of making predictions is that about ninety eight percent of the time you don't have to go back through and relive it. You know, <laughs> and it's it's the funny thing about predictions. I think everybody wants to see them. And then you never really have to own it unless you do something, unless you predict a score that's that's like right on and you can pat yourself on the back. You never have to own it if you're wrong. So don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. And I think I've done done pretty well the last couple of weeks. I, I had Penn State covering last week. I had Illinois covering. So that goes down as a W uh, and, and I'll take that. That's true. About the only W that existed in that nine overtime debacle. We'll see what happens. Penn State, Maryland, 3.30 p.m. in College Park. You can watch it on FS1. You can probably work your way into the stadium. Just join the 20 people Curtis Jacobs bringing who don't have tickets and let them show you the way. That's Daniel Gallon. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith for our Friday recruiting slash uh, football episode here, the Blue White Breakdown. Follow Daniel on Twitter for game updates. All, also, all kinds of stuff throughout the week at Daniel JT Gallon. Uh, you can find everything we do, podcast, writing, video, et cetera, at penlab.com slash Penn State football. And you can check out Blue White Breakdown podcast, which we do multiple, multiple times a week on Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Enjoy the game this weekend, and thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the Blue White Breakdown. 
This is the Blue White Breakdown.